You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Acts chapter 27, very familiar chapter. It's not the doctrinal, but it is historical. It's a story. And let's look at it together. Verse number one, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band, and entering into a ship of Adramidium, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia. One Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius courteously entreated Paul and gave him liberty to go unto his friends to refresh himself. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing into Italy, and he put us therein. So this crowd has just changed boats. They were in a different vessel, and now they're on board a ship carrying grain or wheat from Egypt into Italy. Verse 7, And when we had sailed slowly many days, and scarce were come over against Snidus, the wind not suffering us, we sailed under Crete over against Salmone, and hardly passing it, came unto a place which is called the Fair Havens, nigh whereunder was the city of Lycia. Now let me stop here and say up to this point, these sailors have acted like seasoned sailors. Totally capable, level-headed. They've done exactly what you would want a sailor, a captain to do. But something is about to happen where they lose their mind. Up to this point, they've been acting on principle, on their education, on past record. They've been doing everything level-headed. But something takes place in the next several verses that totally switches this story and changes the outcome of the text. Look with me here, if you will, at verse number 9. Now when much time was spent, and when sailing was now dangerous, because the fast was now already passed, Paul admonished them, and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, that means it wasn't comfortable, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phineas, and there to winter, which is a haven of Crete, and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. I have it written in the margin of my Bible, everything is about to get wrecked. Look at verse 14 and we'll quit reading. But not long after. It didn't even take long. In a hurry it happened. But not long after they made this decision on emotion and not principle. Not long after they made this decision on what seemed right instead of what was right. Not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called a Eurocladon. If you read the remainder of the text, there's statements like this. We let her drive, much work, fearing 
driven, exceedingly tossed with a tempest, neither sun nor stars, no small tempest lay upon us. We feared, it says uh, down here, it says that the, they were driven up and down. There was a time when they just wished for the day. All hope that we should be saved was then taken away. None of that was in the lives of any of these people before they made a bad decision. None of that was in the life of this ship before the captain set sailing on a supposition. There's two things important to a sailor, a sound vessel and good weather. And at the beginning of the text, these sailors were doing what seasoned sailors do. But the Bible says in verse number 13, watch this, a south wind blew softly. Softly, that means it seemed safe, seemingly advantageous. Comforting. And because this wind blew softly in the immediate, they threw out everything that history would have told them about the sea in that season of the year. They threw out everything that their time on board ships in other situations would have taught them. They threw out all the principle they lived by in the first eight or nine verses because the wind blew softly in their life. In a new year, there's new opportunity. In a new year, there is new uh, open doors. There's new... There, I don't know about you, but with a new year comes this new anxiety, but I don't mean it in a bad, but anxiousness sure. to make something happen. Right. An anxiousness that there's got to be action. There's got to be new ground gain, new heights reached, and all that's good. But can I say, not every wind that blows is a good wind to set sail by. We're a year anniversary from the time when Brother Brown tried to kill me at sea in a bad wind. Amen. Oh my, that was the worst experience of my life. I love him, but I will not go fishing again with him. <laughs> For a little while this morning, getting that thought hopefully away from my mind, I want to preach on this thought. Don't bet your boat on a soft breeze. In 2022, there's going to be a lot of breezes blow in and out of your life. But don't bet your family. Don't bet your ministry. Don't bet your livelihood. Don't bet your future on some soft breeze. Let's pray. God, I pray for your help, please. I pray you'd help our church family. And I pray that you just minister to us this morning that we might prevent and might miss out on some things that could just be disastrous if we do the wrong thing, make a hasty decision. I pray for your power in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I was studying for this message, Don't Bet Your Boat on a Soft Breeze. And I read a statement. Mark Twain, an author from another era, made the statement. He said, supposing is good, but finding out is better. I read that, and at first I thought, that's a decent statement, supposing is good, finding out is better, but then my Christianity kicked in. And I don't think I like that statement at all. I think it'd be better to say it like this, supposing is disastrous, waiting on God is better. Amen. Here in our scripture this morning, we have a story that begins with a soft breeze that leads into a strong storm and a shipwreck, all because some sailors set sail on a supposition. Now, the central character of the story is the Apostle Paul, and he is probably my favorite Bible character. And there's many reasons why in passing he's my favorite character because of his conversion. I like how he got saved. The Apostle Paul wasn't saved out of the nursery, and I thank God for that. But he was saved one born out of due season. He was a bad man persecuting the church, shutting him down, trying to snuff out every glimmer of the gospel light. But on the road to Damascus, Saul of Tarsus didn't get reformed. He got reborn. He had a head-on collision with the grace of God, and he went down a hateful man and rose up a loving man. He got born again and became a preacher of the 
the gospel. I like his conversion. Not only that, I like his conviction. I'm glad Paul didn't try to hide what he believed. He didn't go to town to town being uh, an apologizer for Christianity. He came to anthem the truth of the gospel. And God help us to have some conviction in 2022. You see, I didn't take much of a stand last year. Well, that's all right. We're done with that. We've changed calendars. You can take a stand in this one. I like Paul's conversion, and I like Paul's conviction, and then I like his commitment. He told Timothy, he said, I've run the race, I've fought the fight, and I've finished the thing. I'm thankful for everyone who starts, and there's a lot of you here starting it right, but I tell you what impresses me, not a starter, but a finisher. It takes a little character to start. It takes a lot of character to finish the thing and see it through. This isn't a year for quitting. This is a year to finish the course that God gives us with joy. The Apostle Paul is a traveling man. His entire ministry is a ministry of movement. He traveled many miles preaching and ministering and starting churches and making the name of Jesus known. But now Paul's on a journey, not as a preacher, but as a prisoner. He's on board a ship, 276 men together, sailors, soldiers, and three men of God. For two years prior, Paul's been in jail. By the way, our heritage is that kind of a heritage. Don't be scared and don't get nervous. And I wouldn't vote for it and I don't want it. But if God sees fit, he saw them through and he can see us through trials like that as well. Paul for two years is in a Caesarean prison. He appeals to a man named Festus. He said, I'm a Roman citizen. So Festus fulfills Paul's desire, puts him on this boat, and he's sailing for Rome. In Acts 27, we find the physician Luke writing as a historian. This story is very poetic and dramatic. It is not doctrinal, nor is it deep. It's just a narrative of an actual event that happened in the life of the Apostle Paul. This chapter is a warning to us, and I want you to hear it's a warning to us of the peril that comes when you make poor choices and impatient decisions. The entire wreckage of the chapter is the result of sailors setting sail and betting their boat on a soft breeze. They live their life by a supposition. Now, storms are just part of life. I'm talking about to you and I, not just in the natural realm, but I'm talking about as we live life. Storms and sometimes severe storms are just part of life. I wish that I could just compromise and be like one of those ecumenical televangelists and tell you that once you get saved, it's always cotton candy and flowers sprouting and babies singing and uh, babies laughing and birds singing and good days. I, but it's not. Can I say saved and lost alike will weather the storm. By the way, I always wondered why it is those faith healers when they get sick go to the hospital. And why is it when they die, they don't resurrect themselves? But I digress. Anyway, it rains on the just and the unjust. In Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus preaches a three-chapter sermon on principles for living in the kingdom of God. And he sums it up by making an application of two houses. He said one house is built upon a rock. One house is built upon the sand. One represents the saved. One would represent the lost. But the commonality is it doesn't matter if your house is built on the, built on the rock or your house is built on the sand. Both of those houses are going to go through the storm. The only difference is the house on the rock won't fall while the house on the sand will still succumb to the storm and tumble down. But saved and lost alike, I'm going to go through stormy seasons and you're going to go through stormy seasons. And here's what we have to understand. Some storms are providential. 
By that I mean they are brought to your life by the hand of God. You could not avoid them. You cannot change them. You cannot outrun them. It's like Daniel. He had to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Or David. It's like Daniel. He had to go through that time there in Babylon. Those storms were not sent to sink the vessel. Those storms were sent to strengthen the vessel and to bring glory to God. It was a providential storm. But let me warn us and say this. While many storms are providential, some storms are totally self-inflicted. I think about Jonah. Jonah did not have to get the first submarine ride in the belly of a whale. That didn't have to happen. He did not have to get thrown overboard into a stormy sea. But he made the decision to run from the will of God and thus brought that stormy season into his life. Today I want us to think, don't bet your boat on a soft breeze. 276 men are on board a ship. They've been on board a ship for two weeks. They're trapped in a torrential, terrible storm. Every single day it torments their lives. This storm is so severe that it has a name. And you know a storm is bad when somebody takes the time to give it a name. <laughs> oh, I had a mother-in-law joke and I've let it go. But anyway, it's a bad one. Bad joke and bad storm. It's not a passing shower. It's not a soft sprinkle. It's not just calm breezes. You read the story, and for two weeks, Paul and these others are surrounded by squales and wrapped in gales and breakers on every side. For two weeks, the long black sea billows and rolls over the sides of their ship. For two weeks, they're surrounded by these freezing temperatures. For two weeks, there's driving rain and unabated terror. For two weeks, sailor and ship alike are embattled by the shifting winds and that raging torrent. It's so bad, the Bible says, that they have to take the tackling of the ship and throw it overboard. They take ropes and undergird the ship to try to keep it from falling apart. They take much of their provision and they throw it into the sea. I can see it in my mind as that boat is filling with water and in the hull of that ship, all the provision and people are tossed about by waves, not outside the boat, but inside the boat. If anything gives hope in a storm, it's sun breaking through the cloud, cloud canopy, but there's no sun, the Bible said. For many days, there's no solace in the light of the sun. They look up and they can't see the stars. It's so bad, they said, all hope that will be saved has been taken away. The Bible said the ship is driven up and down. It has no direction. It runs. They let her drive. No stability. What a mess it is. There's no direction. There's no stability. They can't eat. They're on this ship, scared to death, soaked to the bone, surrounded by this storm. But watch it didn't start like that it didn't start as a strong storm it started as a soft breeze all of this here's what I'm preaching was avoidable the entirety of chapter 27 is avoidable there's nothing written in chapter 27 after verse number 8 that had to happen but it happened because of supposition it happened because of bad choices it happened because of an impatient decision to set sail based upon a breeze. Now, let me say this. Nothing is as unpredictable as the weather. Brother Flood, is that correct or not? <laughs> Nothing is unpredictable as the weather. Few things are as unreliable as the wind. One thing I know for sure about the wind is this. It's going to change. It's going to change. 
It does not stay the same. In fact, Jesus told us that in John chapter 3, long before there ever was a meteorologist. He said, the wind blows where it wants to, and you don't know where it comes from and where it goes. He said, you cannot uh, understand the wind. He's saying this, don't bet your life on the wind. Don't bet your future on the wind. Don't live your life according to the wind. Don't bet your boat on some soft breeze. You'd be wise to be watchful. You'd be wise to be slow. Let the wind blow for a while and see how the thing plays out. Now, the worst part about this, before I get to the actual message, is verse number 10, where the apostle Paul warns them, and he said, I perceive some things. Let me go ahead and plug the preacher for a minute. You'd be wise to listen to a man of God, because God gives a preacher some perception that maybe the sheep don't have. How often is it that disaster could have been avoided had the counseling session been obeyed, or the disaster could have been avoided had the preaching been followed? And here's Paul standing up and saying, fellas, fellas, here's what I know. He said, I perceive there's going to be much loss and damage. Can I say that's the testimony of every boat that sets sail because of a soft breeze. And Paul said this could all be avoidable. Now verse 1 through 8, they're acting as they should, but some reason in verse 11 through 13, they absolutely lose their mind. Now let me apply it. In 2022, I want to challenge myself and you to beware of the soft breezes that blow. It was a wind from the wilderness that killed the children of Job. It was a wind, a strong wind, Paul says, the strong wind of doctrine that carries a Christian to and fro. You ever notice how God will take the Bible and in just one or two verses give us an entire month? But here God gives us all of these verses just for one single storm. I think he's wanting us to get the message, don't bet your boat on a soft breeze. Don't make a shipwreck out of your life on a soft breeze. You and I as Christians are to live by waiting on the Holy Spirit and obeying the principles of the Scripture. We are not to live by emotion. We don't live by trend. We don't live by popularity. We don't live off of what our lost neighbor says. We don't pay money to a lost psychiatrist to give us marital help. Say amen right there. We don't bet our boat on what Oprah says or Dr. Phil's selling. We don't bet our boat on what the culture's doing. We don't bet our boat on what the, uh, what the attitude of the hour is know we're to anchor ourselves like a tree planted by the rivers of water and declare I shall not be I shall not be moved don't bet your boat on some soft breeze there's a lot of breezes that are going to blow in 2022 and not every breeze that blows is going to be a good breeze to set sail by you might lose your family you might lose your job you might lose your testimony if you don't wait on God before you set sail I think about all these churches in our generation that are doing ministry based on soft breezes. Breezes come and go. They don't come to stay. They blow for a moment, then they abate. They're here today, and then they're gone tomorrow. And there's so many preachers in my generation setting the vessel of the local church to sail on that soft breeze. Oh, that's the newest thing. That's the greatest thing. That's the biggest thing. Now, it's never worked before, and it didn't work yesterday, but it might work for me. I think I'll set sail, and then they come crawling back, unless they're too prideful to admit they're wrong. Can I say you'd be wise not to dictate the church based on a popular trend, based on some new thing or some soft breeze. I thank God for a sure anchor. I thank God for a steady captain. I thank God for a track record of smooth sailing. I don't want to change it now. Let the wind blow. Let it come. Whatever it does, I say we just stay the course. I'm not going to bet the boat on a soft breeze. That new music is a soft breeze. That low dress standard's a soft breeze. Those perverted Bibles are soft breezes. Hey, that church on the couch 
couch is a soft breeze. It'll blow today, but it won't be here tomorrow. I think I'll just keep sailing the way we've been sailing. It's a soft breeze. You better watch out for that soft breeze. Well, the stock market's down. I think I better move to another place. The job market's not good. The gas prices are up. That's a soft breeze that comes and it goes. It doesn't come to stay. How many families can we name by name right now that are not here, that were, and now they're shipwrecked out there in America someplace because they loosed their anchor and they raised their sail because they thought, boy, that seems soft. That seems pleasant. That seems nice. And now their life is in shambles, broken pieces, shipwrecked because of a soft breeze. You, you better just be content. If God gave you a job, you got to thank God and work your job. Why don't you try not complaining about everything and just rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. If you got a house to live in, who cares if it's a thousand square foot? You got a house to live in. Why don't you quit complaining about God providing you a place to live and say, thank God for a roof on my head and shoes on my feet and clothes on my back. And don't you set sail for a soft breeze. I think I'll move to Texas. I think I'll move an hour and a half away. I think I'll move over here so I can buy a house. Yeah, go ahead and don't go to Sunday school and don't get your children baptized and don't have a man of God. And watch what happens when you sail on a soft breeze. Well, I don't know. He's a lot more handsome than my husband is. That's a soft breeze. His feet stink. His armpits are hairy. His socks are magnetized to the floor just like your sorry husband. Say amen right there. I don't know what it is about my clothes. Where's my wife? Oh, here's, I don't know what it is about them. I aim at the hamper. And I purpose to hit the hamper. But there is something in male clothing. Brother Jacob, you might understand this. Does he understand this? There's something about it. You toss it toward the hamper, and there's it's a magnetizing pull to the carpet. The blessing of it is, though, Des, you never vacuum because all my clothes. And, I mean, anyway, oh, no. Hey, that's a soft breeze. Yeah, but he shows me attention. Hey, sir, she's a soft breeze. She got issues just like the one you married has issues. Say amen right there. You got to be crazy. If you were crazy enough to get married and then get divorced, you got to be super crazy to want to do that again. <laughs> Another life sentence. Say amen right there. And I'm happily, I'm happily married. I'm just trying to be on, I'm trying to relate to you. <laughs> Can I come over? Anyway, that's a, it's a soft breeze. It's a soft breeze. I don't know. I'm just not feeling my class anymore. Ah, the teacher's just not been hitting home runs anymore. I don't know. I don't like that series that we're in. He lets his wife preach to us all the time. Oh, oh sorry. That's, a, that's an actual class here, isn't it, preacher? That's your class. I don't know. I'm just kind of tired of the female preaching. I don't know. I think I'm going to go to Brother Bertram's class so I can take a nap. He's not here today, so we'll just... But let's talk about him. And it's emotion, right? It's fickleness. It's flesh. I'll tell you what it is. It's a soft breeze. Don't wreck your family, your future on a soft breeze. Now, let me give you this and I'll close. We'll be done on time. Let me give you, let me give you four reasons. Tom Malone said, stealing time's as bad as stealing chickens. Amen? So when you preach, you ought to get done on time. Let me give you, let me give you and we're supposed to be done at 11... 30 p.m. So let me give you four points. Why did they bet their boat on a soft breeze? Number one, because it was constant difficulty up to that point. 
Look what it says in the beginning of the text. And we'll just skim it because we don't have time. Verse 4 through 8, if you read this, it says the winds were contrary. It says they sailed slowly. It says the wind not suffering us. It it says in verse 8, they hardly passing by it. And finally they came to a place called Fair Havens. Can I say the reason I believe they they set sail because up to that point it had been hard. Let me say it like this. Sailing ain't for sissies. And that is exactly what I am, Brother Brown. Just, I am. I, we went fishing, and it was horrible. It was, it was the worst, Brother Brown. I'm kidding. It was great. I enjoyed it. I'm a, I can't sail. But here's what I'm sailing in for sissies. You meet a sailor, they have calluses on their hands. They got muscles. I mean, they're built. That's a hard job. Can I say life ain't for sissies? It's just too hard out here. It's just constant fighting. It's just constant oppression. Wait a minute. Where do you think this is? North Korea? It's just, it's just constant pressure all the time. It's so hard. What do you want? To die? You want to just die? Go to heaven? I mean, just get out of here? That's the only place you're going to find peace. Amen. It's just so difficult. Sailing ain't for sissies. Life's not for sissies. That's why Paul said, endure hardness as a good soldier. War a good warfare. Fight the good fight. We're not supposed to be <coughs> limp wristed, no backbone, hiding in the sh- uh, shadow somewhere. We're supposed to be charging the gates of hell. That's what Christians are called to do. It is difficult to live uh, in America. It's difficult to live everywhere, but it's still easier here than anywhere else in the world to serve God, in my opinion. You say, but it's just so hard to live in California. Then go live in West Virginia, where I'm from. Have an hour drive to a shopping mall, 45-minute drive to to a Walmart, get your water out of a well that tastes like sulfur, say amen right there, eat things you ran over with the car the day before, you think this is hard, I tell you, you, you go with me, and I'll get you some culture, some American culture, say amen right there, I mean, we'll just go ahead, we'll play Fear Factor and feed you dinner, it'll be great, it is difficult, I wouldn't run because it's difficult, they set sail, it's just so hard, you're not going to weather the storm if you're a whiner, number two, their course was delayed. Their course was delayed. Look what it says in verse number 9. Now when much time was spent. I can understand that. I'm sure they had this idea. We got to go. We're supposed to go. We're not supposed to sit here. We're supposed to go to Italy. We're not supposed to be here. We're supposed to be in Rome. We got to make something happen. There's got to be some action. Because if there's no movement, then there's obviously no growth. There's no progression. Sometimes God just wants you to be still and let you uh, understand he's God. Sometimes you wait upon the Lord so you can renew your strength, right? Sometimes we just have to be still and let God do something. But I can see these soldiers getting antsy because they had a, a, a purpose to fulfill. And I thank God that he's given us a calling and a purpose. But here's what I'm afraid of. I don't want to outrun God. Do you want to outrun God? I don't want to jump ahead and kick a door down that God didn't open for me and get myself in a mess. So so here's my challenge here. They wanted to do something. They wanted to make something happen, but sometimes you just got to hold still. I understand we want to make something happen because everything's instant. We have instant everything. McDonald's. You, know, you want to know why McDonald's is fast? Why does it take the steakhouse 30 minutes to make your steak and McDonald's 30 seconds to make your hamburger? It's obviously not the same thing. <laughs> not everything quick is good. We have minute everything. We got a cell phone. We got 5G. It's like an instant hookup. I mean, we got to, uh, for, for the white folks in here, at least we got minute rice. You ever had that before? You ever had that before? He's had a minute and it's gone, but not a minute rice. But a minute, minute rice. Everything's fast. Microwave, cook it. Think about it. Everything's quick, but God isn't working on your calendar. God does all things well. Number three, constant difficulty. The course was delayed. What about this? I think they set sail because of the crowd's dissuasion. Look at verse 11. The Bible says this in verse 11. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship. By the way, this man's going to make a decision on his own that's going to impact 275 other people. Daddy, the decision you make is going to affect your children. 
Mother, the decision you make affects your children. Spouse, it affects your spouse. And I don't want to wreck my son's chances of getting saved one day because I do something stupid and set sail because of a soft breeze. He drugged these people into a storm because he made a decision in haste. He believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. He, 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 he believed the expert over the pastor. He believed the politician over the pastor. He believed the psychiatrist over the pastor. He, he believed the co-worker over the pastor. And he set sail. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, now watch this, the more part. That means there's, now there's a crowd advised to depart. You'd be wise and I'd be wise to practice some discernment and to cut out the thousand screaming voices and tune into the one discerning voice. On social media, you got a thousand pastors trying to lead you in the wrong direction. You got a thousand theologians that have a keyboard and a Wi Fi connection but never read their Bible or been saved. <clears throat> that want to tell you how to do church they don't even go to. You'd be wise. You say, well, the crowd says it's right. Well, that's how I know it's wrong. Because it's never been the crowd in the scripture, it's always been the remnant. You better watch what, well, everybody else in our age bracket's moving. Everybody else in our, everybody else in, in, in our family's going to, going to the theater and whatnot. Hello. Well, every other place, girls are wearing yoga pants to church and things. Man, this is Sunday morning too, isn't it? First Sunday of the year. Everybody else is saying it doesn't mean it's right. Lastly, I think they set sail because of the, and I, I alliterated this and almost, almost rebel against alliteration because y'all brag on Brother Bertram so much and I almost go the opposite way. It's just my, it's just my, my way. Anyway, comfort's disillusion. Look what it says in verse number 12. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in. What are you talking about? It's called fair havens. What's that mean? Well, it's not as comfortable as some of them other ones are. It's not as lush. There's no hot tub, right? It's not as, it's not as fancy. You got to just thank God for what he's given you. Yes, amen. But it's not commodious. It's a lot better than driven up and down. It's a lot better than tossed to and fro. It's a lot better than can't see the sun, can't see the stars, in the midst of a storm at sea. It's a whole lot better. And all of this began with a soft breeze. Let me close. Compromise begins with a soft breeze. Divorce begins with a soft breeze. Bitterness begins with a soft breeze. Bankruptcy begins with a soft breeze. Your ministry being shipwrecked begins with a soft breeze. 1 John 4, 1 tells us to try the spirits. That means you got to test them out. Don't listen to every voice. But if that's the scripture, why don't we just weigh the wind as well? Why don't we just wait on God? We don't live on supposition. We live on Bible principles. Success can be summed up in two words, good decisions. But the key to good decisions is three words, waiting on God. Can I give a personal illustration and close? I was sitting on the back pew of a church in LaGrange, Kentucky, 2016 possibly it was, and I got a text message from a preacher I'd never met in person. He pastors a large church, got a full head of hair. Well, no, he doesn't. I, I, I didn't even know you yet. We hadn't even met yet, and you text my cell phone. You might not even remember it. I'd sent Pastor Treber a text message a couple of weeks earlier. Happy birthday, I think it was, in August. A couple of days earlier. And he texted me back. And I, I, I still have the text. I screenshot it because I just thought, That's, I'm going to put it on my wall one of these days. Maybe get a tattoo of it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, I, he texts back and he said, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I, he said this, thank you for being old time religion. That's what it said. I didn't know we were going to move out here or anything. I came out the next year for youth conference. I was driving down the interstate out in Alabama. David Russ emailed me. And I checked my email, asked me to come to youth conference. 
And we got all that nailed down, came to youth conference. During that time in my life, I was in discussions with, with the church in another state about maybe moving there uh, and, and, and whatever, talking to their deacons and things in North Carolina. And uh, I was talking with Larry Brown. He comes out here and preaches. Larry Brown was kind of the one helping me with that. And he gave me an illustration. He's probably used it here on this woman named Lulu. You ever heard him use that? I can't tell it like him, and I'm not going to try to. But he said this man was in love with this girl named Lulu. He wanted Lulu so bad. She was the perfect-looking woman. Just he wanted, he wanted to marry her. And she wouldn't give him the time of day. And said, man, he just went crazy. And he walked around going, oh, Lulu, Lulu, Lulu. I want Lulu. I want Lulu. I want Lulu. You know Larry Brown is. And he was walking down the road, and another man came down the other side of the road a few days later going, Lulu, 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 Lulu. And he said, did you? He said, you want her too? He goes, no, I got her. I'm trying to get rid of her. <laughs> and he told me this. He said, Brother Cooper, what looks good and what seems good, you might really want it. He said, it might not be what you think once you get a hold of it. And I remember I was in the parking lot of a, uh, of a, of a, of a Best Western Hotel in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and you called me. And I was in the parking lot, we were talking, and it wasn't anything about coming out here or anything, but I told you I was talking to the people at that church. And you said, oh, you know how you, you, know, you are, whether you mean it or not. He's so nice about it. He goes, oh, that would be so great if our Lord would let you go there. He said, I'm going to call brother, and, and, and I'm going I'm to put in, I don't think you ever did. He said, I'm going to call and put in a good word for you there. That was a year before, the, the next, I had a one-year-old son. I didn't know it. The next year, I lived here. And I'm saying that to say this, I wanted to get a hold of that other one. And even some days, I still sometimes wonder, man, if I could have got a hold of that other one. Sure. During COVID, I really thought, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad I didn't get a hold of that other one. I'll tell you what that was. That was a soft breeze. Boy, it looked good. And anybody would have wanted to set sail with that ship, in that ship with that breeze. But it wouldn't have been God's will. And I'm just trying to warn you on the opening Sunday, maybe not as bombastic as I could be, but I hope it will sink in. This year there's going to be a lot of wind that blows. And not every wind that blows is worthy of setting sail to. Wait on God. Watch the weather. And when he says go, you go. But if he doesn't, you stay put. Don't bet your boat on a soft breeze. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.